the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your guest host for today. And once again, it is a pleasure to be with you. It's been great to be with you this week. Today will be my last day for this year, but I'll be back right after New Year's. And uh, you know what? I've enjoyed being with you this week, like every week that I've had this opportunity. You make Christmas week. You've made it more interesting and encouraging for me. So thank you for being here with me each day and for calling in. And uh, I always enjoy being here with you and hearing what's on your mind and the things on, on your heart. And I hope to be an encouragement to you. I hope to to encourage you, make you laugh a little bit, and uh, really help 2022 get kicked off in a good way with your your walk with the Lord. Different ways that we can do that here as uh, your, your family here on the air. You can always listen to KKLA and KPRZ on your radio, but of course you have the apps. You can download the KKLA app or the KPRZ app. Just go to kkla.com, kprz.com. You can listen through your Alexa device um, or other ways online. And uh, we appreciate that you do that and that you check in with us uh, every day. The number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. You can give me a call, and I encourage you to put that number in your phone. Make it a part of your afternoon in case you want to be a part of it. Then you don't have to wait for me to say it. You've got that number ready, 888-LA-TALKS. Easy way to remember it, but 888-528-2557. Well, I hope you've got your coffee. I've got my coffee, the brew of the believer, I like to call it. And uh, we're waiting on the rain here in Southern California. I guess we're going to get some rain here pretty soon. Um, and uh, that's fine. We need it. And, um, um, you know, just be careful out there on the, the roads, wherever you go in all of that. And, uh, you know, for Christmas time, so today in our hours, we'll spend some time talking about some Christmas things and maybe some things that we can do differently uh, for Christmas or things to, to, to think about. You know, there's so much scary, scary talk out there right now, and things that we should take seriously with the Omicron variant and all of that. Um, what brings you joy at Christmas time? We're going to talk about that a little bit today. What are your favorite Christmas songs? You know, I, what I think is funny is that there's so many, and you sing them at church, but then Sundays, you know, kind of leading up to Christmas time, you only get a few songs here and there, and there's always somebody who's like, you never sang my favorite Christmas song. You know, what's that? Well, it's Good King Wenceslaus. Well, I'm not sure that everybody knows the lyrics to that one. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a good song, catchy tune. You know, what's great about that song, by the way, I don't know if you even know that, you know, that's the tune you've probably heard that through many sources. And now you've heard that from, from me, of course. Uh, the song is really about, uh, good King Wenceslaus and, uh, his, his people going with him out there to actually serve the poor at Christmas time. And it ends with this line. It says, therefore, Christian men, be sure, wealth or rank possessing, ye who now will bless the poor shall yourselves find a blessing. And it's all about, you know, this season really is about giving, really about ways that we can give to others, how we can take care, especially for people who don't have a lot. And there are a lot of people in our world who are, are suffering greatly in different ways. One of those ways is loneliness, but there are people who are suffering from homelessness, poverty, addiction, Lots of things, and while we have 
issues where we really want to help these people and in a way make sure that we're not just empowering them or enabling them to stay in their addictions. We really want to help people know Jesus, help people heal and become um, you know, healed in every way in the society. One of the groups that does that uh, so well is uh, the Salvation Army. And uh, I have a guest with us on the line from the Salvation Army. It's Lieutenant Colonel John Chamness, Divisional Commander for the Southern California Salvation Army. Uh, John, are you with me? I am. Hi, John. Welcome to yeah. Welcome to Southern California Live. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you as well, Scott. Thank you for having me on today. Yeah, and uh, tell us about yourself, John. How did you get into the Salvation Army? Well, uh, Scott, I grew up in the Presbyterian Church. My father and grandfather were both uh, Presbyterian pastors. And um, when I was 21, I had uh, spent a couple of months in Europe traveling after college. And when I got back, um, uh, God really moved in my life, and I got saved. And um, so you were and a pastor's a kid, pres- uh, a pastor's kid who got saved. <laughs> I'm a pastor's kid, so I, I know where you're at. You know, I get it. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, I, I went my own way for a few years, and uh, God just really moved in a powerful way. And I can still remember vividly the night I was sitting sitting in this church on a Wednesday night during the Bible study, and uh, God just broke through in my life in a powerful way and really transformed me. And I really felt a calling to ministry at that point. And uh, I went and met with one of the pastors at the church who knew my grandfather and father, and and uh, the doors didn't really open uh, in the Presbyterian Church, but then I got uh, introduced to the Salvation Army, and I absolutely fell in love with their ministry, because here was a church that, uh, while they have services on Sunday uh, in their churches, um, it also got out in the streets and did what I really felt God was calling me to do, which was really get involved in helping others. And uh, that was thirty, almost 35 years ago, and I've been doing this ever since. All right, that's a great story, and uh, your dad was probably uh, thrilled that you got saved there. Uh, got <laughs> dad and grandfather both very happy that I got saved, uh, and uh, yeah, they've yeah. both gone on to glory now and in heaven, but uh, mm. yeah, it's been a great, uh, great ride with the Salvation Army. Yeah, I went to law school for a while. I never walked away from the Lord, but I did go to law school, and when I decided not to go back to law school, that was my dad considered me getting saved. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. um, so tell us about your role with the Salvation Army. You are a lieutenant colonel. Explain the, uh, the military uh, language sure. uh, for the Salvation Army. Um, sure, absolutely. So uh, the Salvation Army was started back in 1865 in London, England. It was during uh, the period of time when uh, the Industrial Revolution was taking place and people were moving from the country into the city. And on the east end of London, uh, there was lots of poverty and lots of uh, ills. And William Booth, the founder of the army, uh, was a Methodist circuit preacher, and he really felt a calling to the poor and didn't see the church of the day really reaching out to it. And so he, uh, along with his children and wife, uh, started the Salvation Army in the east end of London. And one of the ways or one of the things that they did was Uh, William Booth was an entrepreneur, always looking for ways to attract attention so that he could preach the gospel to people. And, uh, you know, they would do all sorts of different things from brass bands marching down the street to draw a crowd so that uh, then he could set up his opportunity to preach the gospel. And, uh, you know, one of those things was also using uh, military metaphors. So, 
uh, in the Salvation Army, those of us who are ordained, we wear a uniform, and uh, we have ranks like uh, lieutenant and captain, uh, major and lieutenant colonel, colonel, uh, colonel, and we have one general who resides in London, who oversees the Salvation Army in the 134 countries around the world in which the Army resides. And so that was just one of the ways in which... Uh, William Booth and his son Bramwell could organize the Salvation Army around common themes and working with people in poverty, and they needed some identity. And the uniform really, at that point, was something that was um, something that helped people to identify with the Salvation Army and helped them to identify them as followers of Christ. And it's just been something that we continue to use. Um, and it opens up amazing doors. Um, I, I, you know, when I'm at the airport, people ask me to carry their bags. <laughs> when I'm at Walmart, uh, they, they think I'm the security guard. But there are other times where I'm on Skid Row or I'm on an airplane or wherever that might be. And somebody will come to me and say, you're with the Salvation Army. I trust you. You guys do good. Uh, can I get help from you? Or can I tell you my story? of how the Salvation Army impacted my life. And so the uniforms have really been uh, just a powerful way to demonstrate wherever we go uh, that we are followers of Christ and uh, we have committed our lives to him. And so my rank uh, goes along with my position. And um, uh, my position is overseeing the Salvation Army in Southern California. And it's been a really beautiful uh, and fun thing to do the past almost four years now. Um, and uh, I've right. really enjoyed it quite a bit. And this is the largest division in the United States that uh, you oversee. Is yeah, right? it's um, it, it's a, a very large division. We go from San Luis Obispo down to San Diego, out to El Centro, and everything in between. Uh, in the Southern California area, the Salvation Army, we have 46 of our churches. We have uh, probably close to 45 shelters and other types of programs. We have uh, low-income senior housing. We have our adult rehabilitation centers, uh, which are the uh, drug and alcohol treatment programs for men and women. We have our thrift stores. Uh, so we're really a, a wide variety of different services and programs across Southern California, all to address the needs of our community in which uh, in which we reside. So. And this is this is something that goes around all year. I mean, I think we hear so much more about the Salvation Army at Christmas time, and of course we have the uh, uh, what are they officially called? The bell ringer, ringers with the kettle pots. Um, yep, that that yep. Is that what they're called? Bell ringers with the kettle pots. <laughs> or, or we just call them kettles. Uh, so oh, okay. they're bell ringers, and they can be volunteers or they can be paid workers who. Uh, help us during the Christmas time. You know, it's the most visible time of the year for the Salvation Army, but it's really a very small part of what we do um, in terms of uh, our activities 365 uh, days out of the year. Um, But certainly at Christmas, the Army is most visible, uh, thanks to lots of uh, movies that feature maybe a Salvation Army brass band and uh, a a bell ringer at Christmas time. And that was all started here, actually, up in San Francisco. How did that start? What's the story? Yeah, so in the... In in the 1800s, there was a young officer who was trying to feed uh, people uh, down in San Francisco on the wharf, and uh, he didn't have enough money to uh, buy all the food that was needed. And he remembered back to uh, growing up in the United Kingdom, where he would see uh, them put out um, uh, these big kettles to, and then people could throw their loose change into them. Mm. And so he 
put a kettle there on the wharf, and he put a sign that said, keep the pot boiling. And um, he was able to raise enough money to feed, I think, about 2,000 people uh, that first Christmas that the kettle was used. And ever since, we've carried that tradition on. And uh, here, specifically in America, it's one of our, uh, one of our many fundraising tools that we utilize. I think it's a great thing. Uh, I love hearing the sound of the bell ringing. It reminds me of Christmas. It's one of the most Christmassy things when you're walking into a store. And, you know, for me, I'm a Christmas Eve shopper, so I'm kind of in a hurry yep. uh, when I'm hearing it. But it's <laughs> it's a reminder to help me get festive in the mood for you know, what I'm doing, but also a reminder of what the season really can be about, about giving. And I think that's one of the big reasons that we do it, not only to raise the money, but to bring awareness to the uh, efforts of the Salvation Army uh, to really work with the poor. You know, Jesus spoke uh, specifically about the requirement for the church to reach out and to um, uh, really minister to the poor. I mean, Matthew 25 uh, speaks specifically to this, this idea that um, we are called to provide the, the, the cup of water or the meal or to visit the poor, to visit the sick. Uh, to visit those that are incarcerated. And uh, this has been a huge part of what the Salvation Army uh, has done. And the bell ringing, I think, r- should remind us that even when we might be uh, struggling a bit, there are those that struggle even more than we do. And we see it every day in our many programs across Southern California. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host for today. And with me on the phone is John Chamness from the Salvation Army. He's the divisional commander for Southern California, Lieutenant Colonel John Chamness. And we're glad to have him with us. John, uh, you know, one of the issues that we have uh, really all across the state, it's getting worse in California. It's everywhere, but uh, in California in particular is homelessness. Um, what are some of the things that Salvation Army is doing now for, uh, to really deal with the homeless crisis that we have? Uh, great question, Scott. Certainly, California is experiencing uh, a, really a tidal wave of homelessness. And um, you should know that one in five homeless uh, Americans live in the state of California. And, and that certainly tells, I think, uh, the story of the struggles that we're having here. And uh, the Salvation Army operates uh, around 9,000 beds across not just Southern California, but the state of California. We have uh, 9,000 beds every night uh, for individuals that are either in one of our addiction treatment programs or one of the seniors that lives in one of our low-income housing programs or the many shelters that uh, we operate. Um, during COVID, uh, as everyone... Yeah, how has COVID affected it, that? How affected significantly. Um, yeah. So during COVID... There was a a big effort to try to uh, really deal with uh, those that were becoming the new homeless, those that were being evicted because of COVID, and those that were uh, that are still um, um, homeless. And so the Salvation Army here in LA County, we worked uh, specifically with LA County, and we opened uh, uh, 16 new shelters. In the LA County area, we opened another one in Anaheim, another one in San Diego. Uh, These were room key projects. They were community centers um, or a variety of different um, types of sheltering. Up in um, uh, Koreatown, we uh, have a a container shelter there that we opened during COVID. We have down in Watts a sprung shelter um, in Harbor City, partnering with uh, the city of LA and Harbor College. We have a 
a tiny home. They're, 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 they call them pallet homes. They're eight by eight. And uh, there's 75 units, uh, one of our smaller uh, shelters. But interestingly enough, Scott, um, the state of California is also dealing with homeless college students. So at Harbor College, right. we have a total of 75 of these little tiny homes. 25 of them are for um, homeless college students. And we're I think people don't partnering realize with... that, how many young people yep. and even families and little kids uh, yep. are homeless. So students are choosing, you know, they want to go to college, they want to better their life, but they can't afford the tuition and um, a place to stay. And uh, so we have 25 units at Harbor College where students can live. And it's, I mean, it's directly adjacent to the college. So it's really simple for them to um, continue on in their education while having a safe and secure place to live. Well, and it really makes a difference, right? Because I think one of the things that sometimes people uh, think, and I'll ask you about it too, is, you know, we're helping people with the, the housing and stuff, but how do we help people uh, get out of the predicament they're in? So the college students, it's great, right? Because they get to go to school and get their education and it'll help them. But the Salvation Army also helps people when they have drug and alcohol addictions. Uh, is that right? We do. So um, we, we help. Uh, a, a big part of what the Salvation Army does is help people with their their addiction, but also their mental health uh, mm-hmm. issues. So anymore, uh, many the, most of the many of the people that we work with in our shelters, in our drug and alcohol treatment programs. Will have what what's referred to as a dual diagnosis. They'll have both a, a, an addiction issue as well as a mental health issue, and so a big part of what the Salvation Army will do initially is stabilize a person, and and that uh, stabilization can take you know up to 30 days, where we are just really working with that individual to really help them deal with whatever uh, kind of the initial ramifications of their addiction as they wean off of alcohol or uh, whatever substance they've been uh, u- utilizing. And then it's all about the rehabilitative part, the, the rebuilding of a person's life. And our uh, ARC programs, our adult rehabilitation program, use, utilizes a work therapy program where part of what's needed is just building a routine back into a person's life. Um, uh, because for sometimes many years, sometimes decades, they've been homeless and using and you can't just transform that person's life right. overnight. It takes time. It takes effort. So they, they get up every day. They um, will come down for a hot meal. And then we have the work therapy program in our uh, warehouses that um, provide all the used goods for our thrift stores. Uh, they'll get counseling. They go to Bible study. They go to weekly chapel services and Sunday church services. And it's through this process that we see the transforming power of what Jesus can do in a person's life. As the person gets introduced to Jesus, it's not forced on them. It's not, you know, uh, something that we uh, force it on people. But when you make the when you present Jesus, he's so attractive that people want to be a part of that. And uh, so that's just a big part of what we do is we introduce people to Jesus as we help them to deal with the many different things that have been uh, challenges in their lives. Uh, for the young men that we see in our programs, a, a lot of their issues have to deal with a broken relationship with their fathers. And uh, we introduce them to the perfect father who... Um, can really minister to them and help them to see that they are perfectly created in his image and uh, that God loves them incredibly and uh, wants them to 
understand and know the beautiful plan that he has for their lives if, if they would but release and uh, release their life and commit their lives to him fully. I think that is so incredibly important. You know, today, uh, I think the, and tell me if you agree with this or not, but the drugs that people are using, what I understand is they're a lot worse as far as their addictive quality and makeup. Um, and it's harder and harder for people really to, um, to get off of them. And one of the things that is, I think, unfortunate is that there is a discouragement in the culture today with different homeless programs or drug addiction programs to introduce God and to introduce uh, particularly Jesus Christ uh, when we used to be more open to that. Yeah, so it's interesting how this has changed over the years. It used to be that the average age of the, the man that came into one of our adult uh, treatment programs would be in his 40s and 50s. Today, we are seeing uh, men as young as, you know, 20 years old coming into uh, our drug and alcohol treatment programs. Uh, so we certainly were seeing a different demographic than what we saw in the past. Alcohol still is one of the most addictive and the, one of the most dangerous drugs because when you're detoxing off of alcohol, uh, it can kill you. And uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, we have to uh, really work with people to, to help them to um, detox or come off whatever uh, drug of choice they've been using. Um, and yes, in our uh, we do take government funding for many of our programs, not these uh, specific programs with our drug and alcohol treatment uh, at our ARCs. But other programs, we, we do take government funding. And for those, we can't require people to attend Bible studies or church uh, but we still can present the gospel to them. We can still pray with them. We can still do Bible studies. It's just uh, uh, a more optional opportunity for them. And so, um, um, and, we, and we find great results in, in all these things. When we present the gospel, when we're able to really minister to men and women, boys and girls in that way, we really begin to see the transformation take place that uh, we work so hard to accomplish. And that is so great, and I'm glad that you do that. We're going to take a break. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your guest host, and my guest uh, with us today is from the Salvation Army, uh, John. Uh, John, I blanked on your last name here. Chamnus. <laughs> Chamnus, John Chamnus. And uh, we'll be back here in just a moment. Don't go away. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host today. It's great to be with you once again. And with me is Lieutenant Colonel John Chamnus, the Divisional Commander for Southern California, Salvation Army. And uh, we've been talking about uh, what the Salvation Army does and some different programs that they do. And you probably think about the Salvation Army a lot this time of year because you see the bell ringers and you, you hear about them. Of course, they're doing things all year. John, one of the things I wanted to ask you is this. I think that a lot of people listening to this are maybe they themselves are realizing that they need some help with drug and alcohol addiction, or maybe they're on the brink of homelessness, or most of us probably know somebody, if it's not us, who is in that situation. How does somebody connect with the Salvation Army to get help? How does that work? Uh, They can go to any one of our local chapters across uh, California, and uh, they can ask for help there. They can go to our website where we have a list of all of the different programs that we offer. And, and that's SalvationArmyUSA.org? SalvationArmyUSA.org? Uh, SalvationArmyUSA.org. 
Is that right? I actually go to socal.salvationarmy.org, and that okay. will get you directly to our Southern California website. All right. Very good. So, and, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, if you're thinking about somebody right now, maybe this is um, a place you should go and think about how to really help people at this time. The mission statement on the uh, Salvation Army website is the Salvation Army is an international movement an evangelical part of the Universal Christian Church. Its message is based on the Bible. Its ministry is motivated by the love of God. Its mission is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to meet human needs in his name without discrimination. And uh, that's pretty all-encompassing. How do you deal with uh, some of the pressures today that are on uh, Christian organizations, especially those that are really helping with the poor and maybe conflicting with you know, some of the social movements that are really against the Scriptures today. Yeah, so there's always uh, pressure being put on the Salvation Army by one side of the political aisle or the other, and the Salvation Army is an apolitical organization. We remain in the center, and we feel that that's important for us to do because we don't want to get caught, caught up in new theories or these ideas or political discussions because our, our mission, as you stated, is simply to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to meet human needs in his name without discrimination. And it's when we start getting involved in those conversations that are outside of that mission statement, outside of Scripture, that um, tend to stray us away from mm-hmm. our primary purpose and, and, and mission and goal. And so we really try to um, stay away from you know things that will pull us one way or the other. We, we want to stay in the center of God's will. We want to continue to um, live simply by the Scriptures. In fact, uh, our first uh, doctrine states that we believe the Scriptures of the Old and New Testament were given by inspiration of God, and that they only constitute the divine rule of Christian faith and practice. So basically, the Scripture is, our, uh, is the one document, is the document that guides us for every step in our life, and we trust in that, we believe in that. And um, it's when we stray from that, when we get into trouble. And uh, so it's, it's important for the Salvation Army to remain centered on, centered on Christ and centered on, on what we believe in terms of uh, what the Bible says. I think that's important for people to know. And, and also, I think um, the Salvation Army, it doesn't uh, only treat Christians, right? I think we should emphasize that, right? That anybody can come to you. That's correct. Yeah. So that's, I think, one of the beautiful things of the Salvation Army is that we welcome anyone and everyone into our doors. Uh, that's the second part of that mission statement, without discrimination. And I, I think that's so critical. I think Jesus did demonstrated this beautifully for us when, you know, we see him uh, in uh, with Matthew and the the tax collectors and the prostitutes uh, having a meal together. And and this is what the Army does. We invite people from whatever walk of life, uh, anybody that's in need, to come into our doors and to seek that assistance that will help them. And it's our hope that through that relationship that we will be able to build trust and be able to invite them into the kingdom. Um, We have a, a, um, a slogan that says, Soup, Soap, and salvation. And uh, you, you have to put some food in a person's tummy to restore kind of their, their, uh, um, their, their being. You have to um, clean them up, the soap part, and uh, return that dignity to them to earn yeah. the opportunity to 
uh, present the gospel to them. And uh, so it's through that idea of soup, soap, and salvation that we work um, in, in in how we um, treat people with dignity and honor, uh, recognizing that we all have different struggles. We all have different. We all come from different walks of life. And um, uh, who are we to judge somebody um, for whatever thing that's going on in their life? We simply want to come alongside them and remind them that they're created in the image of our creator and uh, that he loves them very much and wants them to be a part of his kingdom. And we want to be a part of that transformation that comes about through the work of the Holy Spirit and the the blood of Jesus. And so that's yeah. what we do. When you think about um, the work that you've done and people you've been involved with, are there any stories that come to mind, stories oh, of, gosh. Uh, gosh, you know, something that just pops into your mind right now that you could share with us? Uh, Oh, there, there's several. I mean, there was yesterday. Uh, okay. We were over at our Compton Salvation Army, and, and here's a lady. Uh, we, we do a program called Angel Tree every Christmas, and we provide toys and often food for families that have just been hit by life, you know, either through the loss of employment or medical reasons, whatever. And, and uh, my wife and I were there together, and this lady that was receiving some toys for her kids, she was so overwhelmed by life. Um, she was in tears uh, because she'd come to the end of a rope and didn't know what to do. And here was the Salvation Army stepping in the midst of her crisis and providing Christmas for her and her family. There's Tercy Motto, who grew up in low-income housing, who uh, really wouldn't have had a chance in life, but she came to one of our summer camp programs. And it was through that summer camp program that she was introduced to Christ. And uh, every summer, Tercy would come back while she was a kid. And when she became a young adult, she started working at her camp. And eventually, she became a Salvation Army officer, just like me. But it was through that touch of the Salvation Army, uh, reaching into um, low-income housing and uh, ministering to Tercy and her brothers and sisters and her family that won them over to Christ. And those are the stories that we hear over and over again, from the person returning, uh, the military person returning from battle mm-hmm. who um, is confused and just mm-hmm. finding life challenging, we walk right alongside them so many and help them as they. Yep. So. Yeah. yeah there's. Oh, sorry be about grace. that. <laughs> yeah, there there are so many uh, Im- important stories. Hey, right about now, Christmas time. How can people still help? couple of days away from Christmas. Yeah. Um, what are some things that people can do if they're listening and they're saying, well, how do I help? Uh, several ways. So one is uh, go visit one of our kettles at uh, many of the local retailers across Southern California. And um, w- those kettles are out typically from 9 or 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. in the evening. And we've added a new feature this year uh, called uh, Tip Tap, where you know, many people don't carry cash or change right. anymore. Um, so we have a feature on many of our 400 of our sites across Southern California where you can take your credit card or your phone and simply tap three different denominations, $5, $10, or $20. So that's a real easy way to give. You can always uh, go on our website, and there is a tab there and uh, that uh, so you can donate to your community. And the great thing about the Salvation Army Whatever community that you give to, that money stays right in that community. So if I give in San Diego, that money stays in San Diego. And 83 cents out of every dollar goes right back to direct service in that community. So we don't have a big overhead uh, that uh, we siphon off a bunch of money off the top. 83 cents out of every dollar goes right back to direct service. All right. 
Hey, John, I want to thank you for uh, joining me here and joining all of us at Southern California Live. And uh, it's a pleasure to get to meet you today. And uh, thank you for what you're doing. I'm glad that God called you um, out of the pagan pastor's kid lifestyle. (laughs) I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I get it as a pastor's kid. I can juggle with you. And called you into ministry and that this is where God placed you. That's such a great thing. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, Scott. And I'm such a. I joined the army, a different army, and I've and I've seen the world, and it's been a beautiful thing. And I just thank God every day for the chance and the privilege that I get to serve in the Salvation Army and really the community in which is which we reside. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on the program. And what's the local uh, website again that you mentioned a moment ago that people can go to? Yes, it's SoCal.SalvationArmy.org. SoCal.SalvationArmy.org. John, thanks for joining us on the program today. God bless. Yeah, thanks very much. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host for today. And I hope that this Christmas you you are taking some time to to think of others. There's so many different things that you can do. The Salvation Army is a great way that they're around everywhere, and you can connect there. And... um, you know, Jesus is the one who taught us that it's better to give than to receive. And once you realize that, it is such a, it's such a truth. It just resonates so true. And there are so many people around uh, who need our help, who need our prayers. And uh, John's right is that we need to feed people and, and clean them. What do you say? Soap, soup, soap, and salvation, all of those things. Uh, that's part of the mission. Jesus would feed the 5,000, and then he would give them the gospel or give him the story of the kingdom and tell them who he is. It's so important that we are relationally involved with people. That's part of being Christian. It's part of being the church. It's part of what we're reminded at Christmas. God's name is Jesus would be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. And as the body of Christ, we want to be with people here. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your guest host for today. The number here, if you want to give us a call, is uh, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host for today. Thank you for joining us. I hope that you are having a fantastic Wednesday and that you're getting all the stuff done that you need to get done. I hope that you get some time to enjoy with your friends and family. There is something that I wanted to uh, update you on. We've been talking about uh, with the Salvation Army earlier today, ways that we can help people and, you know, as believers, as the body of Christ, uh, this is our call, our call. It's what religion is in our context. You know, religion for some, maybe in a secular context, context is is however you, f- you decide you should follow the God of your choice or the universe or whatever it is that you decide is worth worshiping. But the scriptures teach us something else. James one twenty seven. religion that God our Father, the true living God is what it means, accepts as pure and faultless as this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That'll preach in a whole lot of different ways. And uh, the book of James, you know, he just lays it out there. And you'd have to. You're Jesus's little brother, right? James is. And uh, that had to be hard growing up. It has to be, you know, if you want some evidence that Jesus is is the Son of God, that Jesus is God, you might want to look to his little brother. If his little brother thinks his big brother is God, there had to be something pretty convincing. And James is convinced of this. 
one of the ways that this happens, you ever go on a short-term mission trip? Uh, I highly encourage you to do that. Here in Southern California, you can go even to Mexico just for the day, and those are opening up again. Um, hopefully, they don't get, they'll probably get shut down a little bit maybe the next few weeks with uh, whatever they're doing for Omicron. But uh, I highly encourage you to do that. It'll change your life. And, you know, people come back from short-term missions, and they say, they talk about how God changes their life. I have. Every time I've come back, it's it's very difficult to sort of, fit back into the culture a little bit. And I remember the first time I ever went to El Salvador, I was down there for a couple of weeks, and I came back, and I just, my wife was out of town uh, when I came back the first night, and um, I just sat in my living room. The sun went down, and I just sat there with no lights on, and I couldn't get over the fact that I have carpet. And I remember the feeling of just running my toes through the carpet and going, gosh, this is, this is such a luxury. I'd never considered that. Uh, before. There are so many ways that we can we can help people right here in our own country, right here, maybe even in our own streets, certainly our own communities, uh, and even around the world. And I'm bringing that up because I wanted to, uh, to follow up on a story that I talked about uh, a month ago, and it was the missionaries in Haiti who were kidnapped. Remember the story, and maybe you've already heard this news this week. Uh, they escaped. They escaped this week. And I think about this. This was a group of sort of uh, just regular, you know, church people who went on a mission trip to Haiti, and they went over there to really help after the earthquake, after the uh, presidential assassination that happened over there. There's so many troubles going on in that country, and they went there to help, help people who are the poorest of the poor. And they ended up getting kidnapped. Seventeen of them got kidnapped. Uh, Seventeen missionaries and their families were were kidnapped, and included a little baby, included some kids, and it's been a frightening story. Earlier in the month of December, um, five of them were released at different times uh, for different reasons. We're not real sure why. The, the captors were demanding a million dollars apiece, so they wanted $17 million, uh, and they were threatening to kill them. And uh, Christian Aid uh, Missions, I think is the name of the group that they went with, and you know they were putting out prayer requests every day. And the fun thing that we did together, not fun, but but part of being the family of God is we prayed for not just these missionaries, but we prayed for their captives our captors, we prayed for the people who were doing this because we're commanded to pray for our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. And uh, But it was getting, I think, pretty, pretty dark, and hope was beginning to fade away for these people because they had been captured for so long, and it turns out that they escaped. According to the BBC, they escaped their captors at night, and they went out, and they had no tools for navigation. They were very they were very sick. They were given food and water, but the water was contaminated. So many of them had sores and they had the stuff that goes along with drinking the bad water, if you know what I mean. Uh, they took care of the baby, but the baby, you know, was, was obviously doing what babies do. And they cry and they escaped. They were able to do so in, uh, in silence and they could only use stars for navigation. I wouldn't even know where to look, I guess, to do that if I had to do that. And they had to go through a trek through dense brush for for hours, 12 of them, they escaped. And uh, I think it's a great story. It's an answer to prayer and uh, fantastic for them. What happened is, according to the story, they sensed that the timing was right. They found a way to open the door where they were locked in. It had been closed and blocked, but suddenly they were able to open it, and they were able to leave silently, which is hard to do with a baby, uh, and they just left. And they had to evade numerous guards. When you hear the story... It's like a movie, and they traveled the direction of the mountain that they had seen earlier. They didn't even know for sure where they were. They used the constellations to guide them, and uh, somehow they escaped 
the guards, and I think the somehow is with the power of God. I mean, it's a, it's a miraculous escape. The group includes a married couple, a 10-month-old baby, children aged 3, 14, and 15, and uh, other adults with them. Uh, what a great story. So I wanted to follow up on that because we, we prayed for them together on the air, and we prayed for their captors. And the story talks about how they would speak to their captors about Christ, but they would also speak to their captors about the judgment of God. It says the hostages, this is from the BBC story, the hostages spoke to the gang leader on several occasions, boldly reminding him of God and warning him of God's eventual judgment if him and the gang members continue in their gangs. That's pretty bold uh, in that situation. Um, so I wanted to follow up with that. I think that's um, just a great story. Praise the Lord for that. What a, what a great thing. And, uh, you know, I'll bet these people, they're going to come back and they're going to recover, and that's quite an ordeal. They're going to need some help. Uh, so we want to keep praying for uh, these people kidnapped and keep praying for their captors. They heard the gospel. They saw what could be described maybe as a miraculous escape. Uh, what a great thing uh, that they got out and that all 17 are now safe. Wanted to share that, wanted to follow up with that. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. The number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. And as we close out this hour, I want to encourage you in another way. Do you ever invite people over, like even strangers or people that you don't know very well for Christmas dinner? I think we're better at this at Thanksgiving. It's become maybe more common to invite a lot more people over for Thanksgiving. I want to encourage you uh, as we get closer to the day, I think something happens for Christmas is that we assume that most people we know have plans. And even people we know who have good families and have families around, we assume that they have plans. But often they don't. And Christmas can be one of the loneliest days of the year. And it really should be a day where you're with people. And I know that there are concerns about covid and uh, people on the news are probably telling you, don't invite people over. They're even telling you to cancel your own plans. Don't be with people. You have to make it your own decision about that. I don't want you to do something you know, stupid or you know, seriously endanger your health. But at the same time, something about being a follower of Christ. I don't think we, we are not to test God. We are not to uh, you know, trust him for things that he never promised. And sometimes we do that. But I think that there are people that most of us know who really need to be at our house for Christmas. One time Christy and I, twice we've done this actually. Um, one time nobody came, but the other time we did it, we posted on Facebook and, and uh, online, hey, if you need a place to go for Christmas dinner, uh, hit us up, we'll invite you over. And we had the most random group of people. And some of them were people that we assumed had plans some of them were people that we weren't really surprised that they needed a place to go, but we had kind of thought maybe someone else in the church had taken care of them. And my church does a great job at looking after uh, some of the people who uh, may not have a place to go. And, you know, we had this hodgepodge, you know, turkey dinner. I cooked the turkey. I cooked it upside down. I don't think you can get turkeys this year. I think that they're uh, extinct or something. I don't know what happened. But uh, the... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I cooked the turkey upside down, which makes it look funny, but it tastes good, right? All the fat in the bottom, it just melts through all that meat, and it's super good. And we had the greatest time, and it was kind of awkward and kind of difficult for some people, but, you know, it was a great time. And I know a lot of you do that. I want to encourage you to think about that. Right now, the people who have plans, they have plans, but you'd be surprised. 
And people's plans are changing because of COVID. They're changing because maybe they're sick, but maybe the place they were going, those people are sick. That's happened for us. We were, we were going to be home on Christmas Day anyway. We're going to go to Arizona and be with my family afterward. But I mentioned yesterday that my dad's got the, the COVID and he's doing better. And uh, mom's doing okay so far. So that's good. I thank you for your prayers with that. Uh, but plans are changing. Would you pray about it and see who God brings to mind that maybe you need to invite? And let me say something else. You might be the one who needs a place to go on Christmas. And maybe you're embarrassed. Maybe you're embarrassed to say or too shy to say, you know what, let somebody know at your church. Let the pastor know. Go to Christmas Eve service, you know, and uh, when somebody says, do you have plans, say no. Uh, And uh, maybe someone will invite you over. But whatever the case may be, know this, that Jesus is with you, that the message of Christmas but it's also the message of God year-round, is Emmanuel, God with us. The Lord is with you. He is not absent from your life. And even if you've been running away from him, he is standing there waiting for you to turn around, and he's going to be right there waiting for you to come back into his arms. That's the nature of our God. Our God loves you. Jesus died for you. That's why Christmas is so great. It reminds us of this story. It's the place of our only hope. You are never alone. So think about that, my friends. Think about making that outreach to people that you know. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.